Well, then we all got back together, and all the guys had the same question, and they were all saying, beautiful. I'm like, oh, no, I really messed up on this one. I said spunky. So from now on, no matter what the question, it's always beautiful. It's just, I learn quick. I learn quick. Just beautiful. And what do I look at? I don't even look at it. I just say beautiful. You just look beautiful. So word of advice for especially any people that are new married. So the question is, are you living life? And how would you know if you are or if you're not? Mark Twain wrote this little poem. He said, there was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang or prayed. And when one day passed away, his life insurance was denied. For since he never really lived... They claimed he never died. And I know some of you are thinking, a guy that died 2,000 years ago, the claim that he rose from the dead, what does that have to do with me today? And what does that have to do with me living life today? A little bit about myself is that I was not a believer at age 16. There were some exhales angels who had come to know the Lord and went to serve him and get in front of troubled teens and jail ministry and those sort of things. And they got in front of me kind of as a troubled teen and I flocked to them because I thought that lifestyle was really interesting and they shared with me the true gospel of Jesus. And that night in an old theater in our town, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I just knew God was working in my life. My life changed from then. I was the guy that no one would let me in their classroom uh, because I was just so honorary to someone that they they saw a big change, and then they would let me back in their classroom. God was at work in my life, and I really didn't like church at all. I thought church was really strange. I was really uncomfortable in a church setting. My mom would drag us creasters Christmas and Easter and drag us as kids to church, so we just hated going to church. But after college, I joined the military, and in, in training, I realized that God is in control, and I'm not in control. And a chaplain got a hold of me, and I was baptized, just as these young people were. And then man and I decided we want to raise our kids in the church. And God just grew me and grew me and grew me. And I was working a corporate career, and God gave me everything that I wanted. A nice job, big house, acreage, all the great family, all the things that I wanted. But I realized the more I got to know God and serve him, that my joy came from serving God and nothing else. I began to live life. I began to find, we say here, true life, find my true life in Christ. And I found out what God wanted me to do. And I began to do that. We sold everything we had. We moved up here to help start True Life Community Church. And I never looked back. The most joyful thing, the most scary thing, but the most joyful thing that I've ever done. And so I'm a testimony of that. That it's not just believe in Jesus and for eternity, for eternal life, but it's life today. Serving him, knowing him, loving him. So God has a purpose for your life. And you will never be satisfied or happy until you find that. God wants to fulfill that in your life. And you may be thinking, this preacher guy's up there. He's just going to tell me to try to be a better person. 
try as hard as you can, come to church. If that's what you're thinking, you're missing the whole thing. I want you to see something in, about, in what I'm about to read. One of Jesus' disciples called Thomas. There's something very specific that I want you to see when I read about Thomas. I want you to see the relationship aspect of Thomas and Jesus. Jesus had died. He, he, he died, and, and Thomas didn't know what was going on. The disciples didn't know what was going on. And Thomas was AWOL. He was gone away from the rest of the disciples. He was off. And here's where we pick up verse 24 in John chapter 20. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Prior to this, Jesus had appeared to the other disciples in the room that they were in. And he had a conversation with them, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But Thomas was not there. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my fingers into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand inside and place it in my side. And Jesus says, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think Thomas gets a bad rep. They call him Doubting Thomas because he says, unless Jesus shows up and I can put my finger in his hand and stick my hand in his side where they pierced him on the cross, I will not believe. But I think maybe we should call him Honest Thomas. He says, I am not going to believe until Jesus comes back and I can physically just touch him and I can see him. And I think if we are honest with ourselves... We would probably say, we're not going to believe until this. Like Jesus appears to me, or this variable that I've put in place to say, I'm not going to believe until I see this. You may say, well, I'm not sure about this Jesus. Maybe he's the son of God, okay, but I'm not sure how that really impacts me today. I don't see my life getting any better if I go to church I'm just going to try to be a good person, be the best person I can be. At least I'm not like that guy I work with. He's, a big, he's just a big loser. At least I'm not like that. I mean, surely God's going to be okay with me because I know the standard that I'm putting myself up against. I'm better than that. So I'm just going to roll the dice and pray that I'm good enough when I get to heaven. If we're honest, we may be saying those things or asking those questions. But here's what I want you to see about what we just read about Thomas. The the dude just left. He spent three years with Jesus and these other disciples. They were his friends. He just upped and left. They didn't know where he was. Eight days later, he finally did come back to them. 
And I believe that Thomas, he's saying, if Jesus is not there, there's nothing. I, I want Jesus. Like, you disciples may be getting together and having some type of church service or something, but if Jesus is not there, I don't want anything to do with it. I spent three years with Jesus, the person that I love, and now he's dead. And I'm not going to believe until I personally see Jesus, my best friend, my teacher, my rabbi, my Lord and my Savior, as we saw that he called him. You see, what I want you to see was a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what Thomas had. That's what the disciples had. And he says, I won't settle for anything else than this variable that I've put in place. So I ask, is that you? In verse 27 of those verses, we see Jesus, he's told Thomas, he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And when Thomas had realized it was Jesus, he says, my Lord and my Savior." And as Amanda had read about Mary Magdalene, what happened? Jesus was there. He was talking. She thought he was the gardener. What made her cue in to that it was Jesus? He said her name. He said, Mary. She recognized his voice. She said, Rabboni. And Jesus said, don't cling to me. I've got to go back to the Father. She ran up to him. And gave him the biggest bear hug you could imagine. Rabboni. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with God. Through his son Jesus. All the disciples laid down their lives willingly. After they saw Jesus. After he spent some time with them. Before he ascended into heaven. He spent time with them. And all of them laid down their lives willingly. They were martyred. Except for John that we're reading in. He went on to write the book of Revelation and those things. But why would a group of disciples lay down their lives for someone who was dead? He appeared to them. They said, you are our Lord and our Savior. We will do whatever you want us to do. We will live our life for you. Because of the relationship. Not because of a religion. Because of a relationship. Because their sins had been forgiven. Because Jesus conquered death. I wonder if some of the ladies that went must have been from Missouri. The show me state. Like I had to go see that Jesus was... The tomb was empty. So I want you to see two things. God wants your sins to be forgiven. And number two, he wants you to be happy. He wants your sins to be forgiven, and he wants you to be happy. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Demonstrated on the cross, demonstrated by the empty tomb. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be righteous through Christ and be right with God and have eternity with Him. And He wants to spend time with you today and have a relationship with you. Verse number 
verse 29 says, Blessed, Jesus said to him, Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet still believe. That's what he told Thomas. You see and you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And blessed means happy. Blessed means happy. For those that are here today that believe and have never seen, blessed are you. We should be happy today. We, we should be celebrating today as we are about the risen Savior. We should be happy because of the sacrifice of Christ. Now, the end of this section, verse 30 through 31, I want to read this. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you... Did you get that? You. This is is written to you. This is speaking to you. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, what? Life. That you may have life in his name. Not just eternal life, but life today. You may be breathing, but you may not be living. You may not be living the life that God has for you. You may not have the joy and the peace and the happiness and all the things that come along with serving God and knowing him on a personal level may have life. I believe that these verses here, 30 and 31, are connected back to the first, right before that, when Jesus appeared to the disciples for the first time. In verse 21, above that, Jesus said to them, the other disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Sending you. God has a purpose, a mission for each and every one of us. He has a plan. And the last part of that says, if you forgive the sins of any. So we just looked at God has a purpose for you to be happy, to be joyful in serving him and knowing him. And the last part of this, as he, as he said this, and I, and I wondered, why does Jesus say this? Like he says, peace be with you. The first time he appears to the disciples, he's risen. He says, peace be with you. And then he says this. And I said, why is this so important? Like the first thing Jesus says to his disciples, it's got to be extremely important. Here's what he says. He said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, everyone deserves the right to be forgiven. No matter what your background is, no matter what you have done, no matter where you are, church, Christians, never withhold forgiveness from anyone. Anyone that says, I want my sins forgiven, I'm going to trust in Jesus, and I want to be forgiven, I want to be right with God, do not withhold that from them, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done. He said, it's important. It's important. Forgiveness of sin is important. That's the whole reason that I came, so that you would know that I am the Son of God that I am the Messiah, and so that your sins can be forgiven. That's the whole point of it. And I want to tell you, anything outside of following Jesus is chasing the wind. I know that personally. And I can almost promise you this. 
if you're just chasing the wind, if, if you're not trying to find out what God has for you, and I'm not saying to quit your job or anything, like God can use you anywhere. If you're just chasing the wind, at some point in your life, you're going to have a, you're going to have a crisis of disappointment. You say, well, what does that look like? One year into retirement, you're still hanging out of the pool, and you think, man, there's got to be something more to life than this. I've been working my whole life for this, and this isn't what I was hoping that it would be. You get laid off, and you have to cash out your 401K. Now you have a 01K. That's a crisis of disappointment if you put all your hope and all your eggs into that basket. At 50, your health fails. If that's where your identity is, you'll have a crisis of disappointment. Our relationship with Jesus, nobody can take that away. The joy that he gives us, no matter what's going on, nobody can take that away. Doesn't mean we won't have struggles. Doesn't mean there won't, there won't be hard times. But our Lord is risen and it gives us hope. <clears throat> So all who humble themselves and turn to Jesus will be forgiven. You see, religion is just says, hey, try real hard to follow the rules. Be self-righteous. You try really hard. You do something. You do it yourself. That is called self-righteous. That is a works-based salvation. And Jesus, when he was on the cross and he cried out, it is, it is finished. There's nothing left to do. I took on all the sins of the world. I took on your sins. I stood in front of God and took the judgment that you deserved. I did it for you because I love you. It's called the grace of God. It's the righteousness of Christ. There is no self-righteousness that will make you right in front of God outside of Christ, Jesus. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. So when I said the answer of spunky, spunky, there was something missing. Something was off. So what is missing in your life that's keeping you from living? You may be breathing, but you may not be living. Have your sins been forgiven? It's the whole purpose this book was written so that you would know that Jesus is the Son of God and that your sins can be forgiven. And that just takes a simple crying out to God to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow Jesus. That's all it takes. If you are already a believer here today and you're not happy, maybe something is missing in your life. So you would have life in the name of Jesus. If you don't have life, if you don't have joy serving God, there's something missing in your life. Today, at the end, in here, here in just a few minutes, we're going to have a, a time where we can just respond. You can, we'll have communion up front. Um, we'll also have a time that Doug and I will be up here. We'd be happy to pray for you. But I would just ask that you would just ask God, like, God, is there something missing in my life? Is God speaking to you this morning? Share that with someone. Share that with someone that 
came with you today. What's God doing in your life? So I ask this question, will your life insurance be denied because you never lived? Believing in Jesus, the Son of God, you have life in his name, you're 100% forgiven and 100% righteous, right with God, 100%. Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, what it means to you today is that God loves you. Do, do you believe that today, that God loves you? Like, that's what we come to celebrate, like that God would send his son out of heaven, out of perfection, down to this broken world to serve all of us, to not even have a place to lay his head, to go to a cross to die to be buried and risen again, to conquer death, so that all he could do is prove to you that he loves you. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What a deal, huh? What a deal. So are you ready to live Maybe April the 9th, 2023 is the day that you decide, God, I want to live for you. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to find joy in all the things that I'm chasing. Lord, I, want to, I just want to follow you. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in prayer. The worship team is going to come up. We're going to just have a time of response. You're feeling the Lord calling you to, for, for me to pray for you or to take communion. Maybe you want to be baptized. We got extra clothes in the in the bathroom. I don't want to hold anything back from what God's calling you to do. Let us pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I thank you for Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us. You love us so much that you would send your son. Lord, I wouldn't send my son to die for anyone. But you freely gave your son to die for all of us. Because, Lord, you knew that the sin that we have within us separates us from you, and you don't want us to be separated. Because you love us. So you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. So that his blood would cover my sins so that you, Lord, would see me as you see your son, Jesus. That I could be called a son. You could be called a daughter of the most high king. And you would give us purpose and meaning and hope today. Lord, what a privilege it is to serve you. 
You are a good father. Lord, there's someone here today that, Lord, is, you're speaking into their heart, and they, wanna, they want their sins to be forgiven. They want a relationship with you, not a religion, but they want a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would pray along with me. God, I see that I'm a sinner. We all are sinners. Every single one of us. I see now that that separates me from you. And the only way to be made right with you is through faith in what your son Jesus did. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to follow Jesus. I want a relationship with you. I want joy and hope and peace and all the things that come along with it. Lord, thank you for saving saving us. Even when we run from you as far as we can get, you still seek us and pursue us. God, you save us. Lord, I don't understand the love that you have for us, but I'm thankful for it. Thank you, Jesus. So during this last song, I would encourage anyone who wants to come up and respond, please come and see, see Doug and I. We'd love to pray for you and speak with you. Stand up and worship God together.